Hey, just a, a word of welcome uh, again for those of you who maybe are, are new to Encounter, first time, first few times. Uh, just a word of kind of introduction to where we are uh, at the church. We said um, this is a series that we're in right now called Retro God, uh, throwback ideas that God still cares about. Um, the idea is it, it kind of born out of, and we had it up before, but this um, like this green shag carpet on stage. And we said, you know what, sometimes we have this idea like God is a lot like this outdated shag carpet um, where, you know, maybe his ideas, maybe his commands had a place one time, but surely they're outdated, out of style, and don't match the decor of our lives anymore. Um, For the past couple of weeks, we said, I don't think so, because I think that God is a a very retro uh, God. Two weeks ago, we take a look at this retro idea of, uh, of apologizing, apologizing to each other, apologizing to God, and, and saying this is an idea that God still cares about. The retro word that we put on it was confession. Um, last week, we took a look at this uh, retro idea of patience, not just that patience in the traffic or patience in the line at the bank, but patience in the long form, patience with a spouse, patience with a child, patience with a neighborhood, and saying in the long form, this lasting endurance, uh, this patient endurance, you could call this retro term of long-suffering. Uh, this morning, um, we take another step. Because I just want to tell you, as the series progresses, and we've got two more installments after this one, by the way. As the st- series um, continues, the, uh, the retro ideas get harder and harder and harder. And so this morning, you see on the flow sheet, tithing is up this morning. And I just want to remind you, halfway through, friends, yeah. And there's more people here than when we started. So let's see what happens by the end of the series. We're going to take... Did I hear clapping? Was that, no, um, definitely not. The, um, the idea this morning, we're going to take a look at this broad umbrella called generosity and then more specifically tithing. But before we say anything about tithing as we get into this, before we even scratch the surface of that very retro idea, I have to make uh, two things um, just unmistakably clear to everybody in the room. Because it, it's my firm belief that if we're going to open up the word and if we're going to find God telling us anything here this morning, I think we have to understand two things. First of all, this message on tithing. Uh, this is not a, a stick that gets poked into our backs to continue going forward. You know, by the, by the grace of God, just a history lesson real quick about Encounter is that two years ago, almost, not quite, this October it'll be two years, um, we set out and we started this, this new church. And uh, Kristen, my wife, and I, um, we, we started this church with, with a handful of others, and, and we had uh, an idea, a vision, that God was asking us to be this outwardly focused church in the, com- in the area of Kentwood, in the community. And, and we had, like, the idea, the vision, each other, a baby on the way, and, like, a big question mark for resources. We had no idea. So we started worshiping here, and I mean, things just like, took off from there. And I just want to tell you, by God's grace, it, we have never missed a bill. We're not even, a, a, even, like, that's not even on the radar or a factor. We've had enough to even stash away for whatever the future may hold. On top of that, we've been able to, like, see, like, numbers grow, people grow, and say, you know what, we could use some more staff people, so we're going to expand in this area, expand in this area. So I just want to tell you one thing that has to be made clear is that this is not like a stick to keep going. This is a celebration of where we've come. I want to say that if, if this idea of generosity is a marathon, not a sprint, if this idea of generosity, a lifelong generosity, is a marathon, friends, I think we're not in the stage of lying down saying, 
oh my goodness, I'll never be able to do that. Don't pick me up off this couch. (laughs) I think that we're already running. We've got miles behind us already. Something to celebrate as we run forward. I want you to take this message here this morning as like an aid station along the way. (laughs) To say, here, a cup of Gatorade, have a banana. Like, we're doing this. We can keep on going. Some of us are exhausted. Some of us are tired. Some of us want to quit. Maybe we have. Others have, uh, have gotten a second or a third win are saying, let's go, we can do this. But I just want to make that abundantly clear, encouragement, aid station along the way. And the second one is that if you're sitting there going, you know, I, I want to. I mean, I, my heart is in the right place, but I mean, I've just got so much ground to make up. And I mean, I'm on the road, I'm, I'm running or I'm trying to run, and I'm just tired and exhausted. I want to tell you that you're not alone. Because I think that this idea of generosity is something that's fundamental to who we are as human beings. Uh, That when God created people in the first book of the Bible, in the first chapter of the Bible, God said, uh, he, he makes plants and ground and skies, clouds, birds, the works. And then he like takes a moment at the end of it all and he caps it off by creating us, human beings. And then he has this interesting little tagline that goes along with that to say, and I'm making them in my own image, in my likeness. And so I believe, friends, that one of the ways that we image God, that we're like God, is that we care about the things that he cares about. And when we open up the Bible and we see stories of generosity and generosity and generosity on God's part, I think that's something that is within all of us. This generosity, this caring. No matter what walk of life, faith background, church background you come from, I think that we all sort of have this this heart that longs to be generous. We can see it. Better yet, we can see the antithesis of generosity. When, when mom and dad set up a play date for their toddler, new friend comes over. Um, new friend goes over to little Johnny and little Susie's toy box, looking around, opens the top, reaches in with fear and trepidation, pulls out a beautiful red plastic fire truck. And immediately from across the room, it's like little Johnny, little Susie comes running over, like tears it out of new friend's hand and says, mine. (laughs) And for hundreds of years, good moms, good dads have gotten down on a knee next to their child and said, today, today we're going to share. And this is a conversation that happens over and over and over again. Because I think every parent, every person would look at their kids or someone else's kids, their nieces, their nephews, other kids across the grocery store, and they say, I want that kid, I want my kid to grow up, not stingy, not selfish. I want that kid, my kid, to grow up generous in giving. It's something that's not unique to any of us, but uh, there for all of us. Now, the, the method that's been used for these hundreds of years, I think. Child gets an allowance, a dollar, maybe a chore for helping out around the house. A dollar is broken into change. Some of you are like nodding, like I know exactly where this is going. Um, Few jars, right? One, two, three jars on the counter. They all have a label on them. 
Mom, Dad, again, on one knee next to Junior saying, all right, some is for saving, some is for spending, and some is for sharing. And they helped Junior put some in savings, some in spending, some in sharing. Question is what happens next? The question as we get into the theme, this retro theme this morning, is what happens, what happens when the, the jar gets bigger? It's an idea, it's a simple concept when we're small, when we're young. And it's like, all right, some is saving, some is sharing, some, in, uh, some is spending. What happens when, the, when the, the labels have different words on them? Like, instead of um, savings, there's more complicated labels. Like, some is for IRAs, 401ks, pension, emergency fund. What if some is for, instead of spending, it's like mortgage, car payments, groceries, utility bills, student loans. <laughs> and the other one is not sharing, but it's more complicated than that. It looks like a stack of your favorite charities, your, your favorite local nonprofits, your favorite church, whatever it is. And they're all asking for help, for your help. And you're looking at it going, this obviously cannot be the same system that we once had. I mean, things have gotten more complicated than when I was young. This morning, I just want to ask, have they? (laughs) As we take a look at the, the theme and a few of these Bible passages, I want to say, I think that the system is still the same. There are different, more complicated labels on the jars, but some is for savings, some is for uh, spending, some is for sharing. What we want to do this morning is ask, what does the sharing jar look like? Like we open up the sharing jar, we take a look inside, and, and what's in there? What should be in there? What do we want to be in there? And how does it come out? Um, first passage that I'd like us to look at is printed on the back of the flow sheets, also on the screen behind. This comes from 2 Corinthians, verse, um, chapter 9, uh, verses 6 and 7. And Paul, uh, the apostle, the, the guy who's writing this, this uh, pastor, is, is coming into this church, and he's getting them ready to, to take up a collection for this other group of people that are seriously hit by a famine. I mean, they're opening their cupboard, and they're not saying there's nothing to eat. They're saying there's nothing to eat. And he's going to... He's going to make a collection for them. Ahead of his trip, he tells the Corinthians, guys, I'm coming, and I don't want to spend like a month there trying to convince you people. I just want to swing through, pick up your gift, and be out of there. This is what he tells them. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should uh, give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Before we take a look at anything about the jar, about the sharing jar, we have to understand this passage. Because anything that happens with this jar, before we get into any retro themes or ideas or anything more specifically, the most important thing is to understand this passage. And so I, if you have a pen near you or a phone to jot it down on or something, circle three words. Verse 6, generously 
Verse 7, decided. Second to last word, cheerful. We could do an entire series just on this passage, but for this, you know, just like fly over. I just want to point out three words. Generous, decided, cheerful. In terms of what the jar looks like, I think Paul would say, listen, I want this thing to be full. I want you to feel good about what comes out, cheerful. And I want you to have a plan for putting more back in. Before we get into anything else, I want it to be full. I want you to have a plan for keeping it full. And I want you to feel good about whatever comes out. That comes first. When I was a kid, though, when I was a kid, mom and dad, they like, they sat me down on one knee next to the jar. And and they put like, of my dollar, a dime in savings a dime in sharing, like two quarters and a nickel in spending. And we have this kind of theme, right? Like when, we, when we're younger and the jar is much, much smaller, we have this, this idea that of a dollar, a, a dime goes into the jar of sharing. That worked a lot better when the jar was smaller, Right? So what happens now? I want to introduce the book of Malachi. Because we don't go there very often. This is a, a book of the Bible that was written in the Old Testament. The last book of the Old Testament. And uh, this is written when the city was just like nothing of Jerusalem. Uh, Israel was laid waste. There was no bricks were lying on top of each other. And a, a couple of people have just gotten back and they've planted some vineyards, some crops, some vegetables, some fruits, and, and they're now doing the work of, of rebuilding this city. And they, they, at first they get there and there's nothing around and they're just scraping to get by. A couple years later, a few years later, when the, when the fruits, when the vegetables are starting to come in, the jar starts to get bigger and they're wondering, okay, this is a lot more complicated than when it was. I mean, I remember, you know, of the dollar, a a dime going in the sharing jar. The jar's bigger now. Uh, This is what uh, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 says. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And then he says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And we'll just pause it right there. Um, This throwback idea, right? It's one thing to talk about generosity because that's something that every human being sort of longs for. It's another idea to introduce this retro idea, this retro theme called tithing. Or um, it's an old English word that actually means um, like tenthing. It's just literally a dime out of a dollar. And now the, the command here in a way Old Testament goes back to saying, just like mom and dad, just now next to the jar, is a, just put a dime out of every dollar uh, in, in the sharing jar. Making sure, again, that it's marked by the jar being full, plan to refill, and you feel good about, about what comes out. I just want to come back to saying, that is extraordinarily difficult. Like, remember, we're on this marathon, right? 
And we're looking back, and I said, this is an aid station along the way. It's not a prodding. So why does it, like reading something like this, make each one of us like step off the path and go, you know what? I'm never going to be able to finish. Why run? Why even try? And then more grace-filled words can never be mentioned, I don't think, talking about this. When God says, test me in this. You don't hear that too often. (laughs) Like reading through the Bible, you don't see these words, test me in this. The idea behind the word testing is is this, this, there's something in there. There, there, The test would be something like if you're trying to extract iron out of a rock that you found in a mine. And you want to like bring out the iron, bring out the gold or the silver or whatever, whatever mineral is in there. And so you'd, you'd put heat to it and you start cooking it and you would test it. And eventually with enough heat, with enough testing, this crucible would, would, would allow for gold, silver, iron, whatever it is that you're trying to get would, would melt away, would, would separate out. And so God says, listen, if you're, if you're on the way and you're doubting and you're skeptical... Test me in this. He's saying, see what I'll do. Listen, you're putting me to the test. Could it possibly be that there's this crucible that you two are walking through? That somehow, somehow through all of this, the process, like some the iron, gold, silver, whatever it is, is, is like being, being teased out and you're being purified along the way. I uh, had a chance to interview a, a few people and say, like, hey, just, I mean, tell me your experience with this. Like, whatever stories that you have, I mean, good or bad, just let me hear them. And there's a story that's, that someone shared about, um, they said, all right, I'm going to give it a shot. I mean, I'm, I'm trusting, but I'm also skeptical. I'm going to give it a shot. And before I go in, I just want you to know that I've got um, bills. I've got car payments, a mortgage payment. I've got debt. I've got fill in the blank. And I just want to say that there is not enough room to do this. I mean, the, it's just math, right? It doesn't add up. And so it was a six-month trial. And at the end of that six-month trial, looking back, he goes, you know what? There still wasn't enough. I was right. I didn't get any checks in the mail. I didn't have any dearly loved relatives that sadly died, that left me this huge... None of that happened. I didn't get a raise at work. I didn't get a promote. None of that happened. There was the exact same amount that I started with and I ended with. Only 10% of it was gone. I'll tell you what else happened, though. I didn't go out to eat as much. I, mean, I, didn't even, I didn't think about it. I, it just didn't come up. I, mean, I was so worried because I had a very large jar to give away. And so I was thinking about where we're going to give this away to and who we're going to be generous with. At the end of all of this, I just happened to notice, like, like there were just some expenses along the way that I had built in as necessary cost of living. Iced, frappuccino at Starbucks, you know, whatever it is. And it just didn't happen. And I didn't even miss it. And I think, what better image about this like crucible that we're t- putting God to the test and he's also refining us through at the same time. 
Because as we enter into this, God is still say, saying, like, hey, you know, I'm going to help you walk through this. But if you, if you think that we're just going to, like, that all the jars are going to get bigger throughout this, just hang on a second. Because, because what you're not testing is that God is going to somehow um, financially, monetarily make up the jar size difference between what you had before and what you had now. What you're not testing is that this is somehow a, uh, a, a portfolio investment strategy to increase your rate of return. What you're not testing is that somehow there's going to be just more. And we're trying to get that. But how God refines us is by helping us to appreciate what we have. All right. It's the big pitch. From Malachi chapter 3. Anything else you want to say? Like, I'm not going to expect more. I'm not going to expect a better you know, work environment. I'm not going to expect a promotion or a better rate of return. Like, a little weak there. <laughs> Continuing on in Malachi. God says, And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed. For yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Just a note, I'm throwing open the floodgates of heaven. Uh, kind of an odd term, right? Like one that, maybe that's a retro term that we don't really hear very often. Um, it goes back to the uh, Is- Israelite worldview at the time. I mean, they had this like physical view of the world. that was also like this theological view of the world. And how this worked is that they took a look, I mean, through Genesis, through, in Malachi here, we can see... Um, that the people felt like had this idea that God had created this safe bubble of an environment for them to live out their, their years in. And it was just grace filled by God, this creative act, and they thanked him for it. I mean, and this bubble was the earth that we, you know, so appreciate. Um, all around this, they, they didn't know, right? I mean, they've got no idea. So the working understanding of this kind of went like, there's water if I go here, there's water if I go here. And here and here. If I dig, there's water. If I wait, there's water. So obviously, it stands to reason that God like created this bubble for us to live in out of water. And it's like all around. And then they, they lived on this. This was their lifeblood in an agricultural society of, of farming and grapes and vineyards and that, everything that was just mentioned in here. And so think for the author when he's saying, like, I just, I want you to see this picture of this blessed life. This blessed life of of where you enter into this this experience of God and you, you fill the sharing jar and you have a plan to refill and you feel good about what comes out of that jar. And then what happens is that God just opens up this infinite amount of water, of this blessing. And the floodgates are open. And friend, you could get crushed under all of it. I'll tell you one thing. You're not going to have a barn to store it in. Anything else? 
for the author of Malachi, this was just, it was everything that he could think of to say that the blessed life of God. And so I can't help but just point out for a second. We said it wasn't uh, like an investment strategy. It wasn't uh, give this to get that. It wasn't any of that. Um, But there's this sense of like what goes out, it doesn't just stay out. There's this sense of like what goes out and I can't plan on, you know, it's not like I'm trying to get more, but there's this built-in kind of system of God creating the world that when something goes out, something else comes in. When it goes out of the sharing jar, somehow the floodgates open and something comes back to me. I think sometimes like we have this idea, we, we throw it out and we say, we did our duty, we... I feel good about it. I've got a plan to refill it, and the jar is full. Now I'm done. What if you're not? What if whatever goes out comes back? What if it's not like a stick that goes out? What if it's like a boomerang that goes out? I mean, you don't just take the jar and just throw it right out. You take the boomerang. <laughs> no. You take the boomerang, and you throw it out, and something comes back. That passage that I read from the book of Proverbs, this is just just wisdom accumulated along the years. We opened with Proverbs chapter 11. And these are like boiled down statements that parents would teach their kids. And Proverbs 11, chapter or verse 25, says that a, prosper, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. I think this verse says it all. Because it's not like a generous person will receive a generous amount back. No, no, no. A generous person will be refreshed. The word behind here is saturated. A generous person, person will be filled. The floodgates that open up, the barns can't even store it. Maybe, maybe it's not whatever it was that they gave away that they got back. Maybe if they gave away money, maybe it wasn't money that they got back. Maybe if they gave away time, maybe they got back just children that grew knowing that their parents were generous people. This was close to God and they wanted to be followers of God. Maybe that's what they got back. Maybe if it was money that they threw out, maybe what they got back was opportunities to share their faith, to share this grace with others. but it did come back. And it's this picture of a full, saturated, refreshed heart of the generous person. You're not alone struggling with generosity. As I said before, it's close to God's heart because all throughout Scripture... We just see over and over and over again a generous God. Not a stingy, but a generous God. And a God so generous that he sees a people in need and he gives his son. Now, so often we think about this in terms, rightly so, friends, and we say, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. You gave your life. Thank you. You've created eternity for us. Thank you. What's it like for the one throwing the boomerang? 
In the giving of God's son, what's it like for the one who threw it out? I think we so often miss the fact that the generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Have you thought about God's heart being filled by this generous act? That saving you and I from from our sins, from our death, and giving us eternal life is just enough to fill God's heart and say, yes, you're welcome. For you to stand up, let's pray together. Heavenly God, thank you for your act of generosity. Thank you for uh, loving us. Thank you for saving us. And God, uh, your heart is refreshed by your generous act. Lord, help us to live that out in whatever way that we can this week, whatever opportunities that we have available to us, God, we just simply ask for your generous spirit to live within us. In your name we pray, amen.